Hey, SodaPod listeners. Just wanted to remind you all that Monday, October 5th, The Kitchen by Baked Brand in Minneapolis will be supporting the Puerto Rican recovery effort led by your Minnesota gopher, Stephen Ortiz Jr. Reminder, come to the Midway Global Market in Minneapolis, get his signature sandwich to raise money for this effort. Again, The Kitchen by Baked Brand, Midway Global Market in Minneapolis, help support the Puerto Rican recovery effort and meet your favorite gopher while you're doing it. Now back to the show. Okay, let's do it. Uh, welcome back. Another edition of Judd's Buds. Season 2, Episode 2. How we doing? Uh, thank you as always for tuning in. It's your host as always, Spokesy. Stat Spokesy on Twitter. All the same shit. Nothing's changed. Um, so, stuff is happening. It is almost October. It is almost the start of the regular season. Uh, the prospect seasons are well underway. We're three games now into the preseason for the NHL. Um, a lot of storylines are starting to pop up. Guys are sticking out. Um, the Wild are going to have some interesting decisions to make, so it's an exciting time uh, in the hockey world, but more specifically, uh, you know, for, for Minnesota minnesota wild fans um this is the plan for this episode um i guess we i really do want to talk or i do want to do more of a mailbag type feel just because we're halfway through the preseason but i kind of feel like enough storylines have popped up enough things have happened in the three preseason games so far that i at least have to talk about it a little bit so we'll do that now yeah right into the mailbag and we'll get the fuck out of here uh because it's already 11 45 and uh, I'm tired, so let's just do it. Um, so, like I said, we're three games into the regular or regular season. No, we're not. Um, we are three games into the preseason now. The Minnesota Wild are three and zero. They've taken down the Colorado Avalanche twice, three uh, two in overtime in Game One. In Game Two, it was a five two win, uh, and then tonight they take down Dallas by a score of. Five to two. <clears throat> First thing that stuck out for me, um, I mean, now the stuff that we said they needed to work on in the offseason, they clearly have. The special teams look at least a little bit better. Um, they scored a couple power play goals. Um, they've killed all but one. Um, you know, they've been successful in the penalty kill all but once, that one goal coming tonight. Um, and I think in general, they're winning more face-offs, so that's always good to see. Um, specifically, the young kids just look really fun on the power play. Marco Rossi, Matt Boldy, Kalen <clears throat> uh, Addison just looks great quarterback in that power play. Looks very comfortable. Um, so that's always good to see, right? Specifically when we mention the things that really plagued them in the playoffs and probably got them eliminated. Um you know, just the lack of anything on special teams, just giving up fucking power play goals left and right. Um, and then tonight, you know, Brandon Baddock, who apparently they wanted a longer look at, which is hilarious. Uh, he <laughs> punches the ref in the face, uh, gets tossed. I think he's got like 35 uh, penalty minutes. 
in two games in the preseason. I think the total amount of minutes he's played in the preseason is like 11 minutes, which is very funny. He's a very entertaining player. He likes to just beat the wheels off everybody. Um, so I kind of wonder if we're going to start, if we'll, if we actually will see him off and on in the NHL this year, which could be kind of interesting. Um, you know, he's not exactly the heavyweight Delorier is, but he's a tough fucking kid. Uh, and he's not afraid to get in the mix. Obviously, the Wild have liked what they've seen from him, I guess. So, you know, who knows? Maybe we do see him. Um, but, you know, they, they go into that five-minute penalty kill. Um, and Marco Rossi was a shorthanded goal. So, um, not only the killing penalties, they actually are generating some some offense shorthanded. So, you know, we like to see that. And obviously, Dean made that that comment. I think it was Jesse Pierce. Shout out Jesse Pierce who asked about the special teams. And Dean just said, yep, nope, fixed it. We're done. Shutting it down. Um but no, I know. Seriously, it's not. It is good to see that they clearly have worked on that in the offseason. I thought it was interesting when Russo was talking about how one of the projects they all had as coaches, they all went and individually came up with different ideas and brought it to the table. And it's clearly been um, something that they've they've put a lot of energy and focus on. So, um, you know, hopefully that continues into the regular season. And they continue to get better at it because obviously you don't want to just settle on that. But um so yeah, stuff like that. I mean, the little things always good to see. It's always nice when it's noticeable too. So, um, you know, good start there, but you know, individually there are guys that are standing out, right? Like, first of all, I don't really know how much more Marco Rossi is going to have to do to, to cement his spot on the lineup in the lineup. Um, and in a significant offensive role, I mean, the kid just looks ready to roll. Um, you know, if you've, if you've been following the kid since he was drafted, um, I mean, the kid works his bag off nonstop. All he wants to do is play in the NHL. And not only that, he wants to be an impactful NHL player. So in the offseason, he's a, just a gym rat. He's always working on his game. And, I mean, clearly this year he has full intention of making this team and being utilized in whatever kind of top six roles there. Hopefully, you know, he gets to play with Boldy. They were fantastic together in the AHL when they did play in the AHL those, for a little bit there, those few games before Boldy got the uh, call up for good. Um, and again, they looked really good together in that first game versus Colorado. So, um, you know, he's looking prime for the NHL, which considering again, I mean, I've said it probably a million times in this fucking podcast, but the fact that the kid had to miss an entire year of hockey, the year he gets drafted or the year after he gets drafted and, you know, last season, you know, real hot start in the AHL, obviously got tired towards the end, but all in all successful season, considering he went from Canadian ho- Canadian junior hockey to zero hockey for an entire year and then stepped right into the professional ranks playing against 35-year-old men, um, ex-NHL guys every night on that top line, first power play, first penalty kill. Um, you know, he's on the ice late and close, number one center out and out all season long. It's incredible. So, um to me, I don't know how he doesn't make the team. I don't know how you start that kid in Iowa because he's clearly, to me, he's just clearly ready to uh, to make that jump. And I really do think he's going to make the team. And as, as long as he's put in that role, we'll see what that line ends up looking like. But I, I would expect him to chip in a healthy amount of offense. You know, they're not, he's not going to replace all 82 points that Kevin Fiala put up. But, um, you know, he certainly can chip away at it. And like they said, that's going to be done by committee. But I've loved what I've seen from the kid. Not surprised whatsoever. Um, but he's definitely definitely putting himself in position to to be a big part of this team this season. 
Um, and there's a good chance that his days in Iowa are numbered. Um, um, but two other guys that look really good. The first one, Tyson Jost. I love that he, I mean, he's been a beast. Um, you know, he's putting up points left and right. He's all over the puck. He's clearly been given a shot here to prove that he should have been drafted where he was drafted. He's given a shot to prove that he is ready to take on a more offensive role than he had in Colorado and that he had last year in Minnesota. It's it's not easy to come into this team, obviously. Um, you know, when you look at the time he joined, those that top six was solidified, and you're not breaking up that line of Felino, Greenway, and Erickson Eck when they're healthy. So he's kind of pigeonholed into that fourth line role. And, um, you know, I thought he was fine, but there's just more to give there, right? Like he has more tools and you're not really utilizing them when he's playing in that fourth line role. So I am very curious to see now what happens with him, what happens with Rossi, because, you know, Tyson Joes, he can play center, he can play wing. I'm very curious to see if they do give that line the idea that we've all thrown out there of Joes, Rossi, Boldy a look. Um, three dynamic offensive players, uh, three guys that are very responsible on the defensive side of the puck as well. Like that could be a very, very well-rounded line there. The only knock they have against them is that quote, you know, NHL experience. Um, you know, none of them are all these big bruisers, but I think you at least have to give it a look because these three, I think really can develop some nice chemistry together. We know that Rossi and Boldy have it. I think when Jost and Rossi are on the ice together, it's, you know, you've seen flashes of it there too. Again, this is preseason. And I think tonight was probably the, the first game where they played significant NHL guys and they all produced. I think Jost had three assists tonight. Uh, Marco Rossi had a goal and assists. Uh, I only think Matt Boldy played in that first game, but um, I'm curious to see if they do give that, that line a look. Cause I think it could be really good. Um, you know, I don't call it a second or a third line because I think, um, you know, I think the wild have a definitive first line and I think they have a definitive fourth line, but you know, you could, you can number the second and third line, however you want. Um, obviously that Erickson Eck line is incredibly important to get used in, in really important situations. So you look at their, their ice time and when they're on the ice, you could say that's your second line with, um, you know, the more offensive guys going on my three, or you could flip that. It doesn't really matter. The numbers are kind of irrelevant there. Um, but I'm just curious to see if they give that a look because Tyson Joe's clearly has intentions on, I mean, he's obviously going to make the team, but playing a more significant role, playing in the offensive zone, not just being on the fourth line on the fourth check, right? Because that's what he's been limited to so far. You know, he's just kind of been, you know, last year it was like him, Dewar, and Deloria, or him, uh, you know, Duhamer, Deloria, just like kind of chipping it in and, and mucking it up and then defending and killing penalties, probably unsuccessfully. Um, but he looks like he really wants and deserves a look in a, a more significant role. So how do you look at his first few games here in the preseason and say, yeah, no, I don't know if he, I don't know if we could try that. I mean, I think you have to. You know, and it's a good problem to have. You're trying to figure out what you want that line of, of Marco Rossi to look like, right? Like, are you going to put him with Boldy? Probably. I think you should because we've seen the chemistry there. But who else do you throw in that line? You know, Freddie Cujo hasn't really done anything to earn a demotion. Everyone can bitch about the fact that it seemed like he was just stapled in that top six, if you want to call that line, the second line, whatever. 
um but like they were successful and the kid that guy hasn't done anything to get demoted but you know there might be some more offensive upside in other guys and other options um so we'll see what happens but that's just one of the more intriguing storylines to come up now is is what does that line look like you know where does tyson joe's play where does marco rossi play and where does that mean freddie gaudreau plays so Again, it's just going to be a really interesting storyline. And then again, like another one that you look at and say, wait a minute, what about this guy too? Is it guy Sam Steele? You know, everyone was just for whatever reason carving this dude because he hasn't been, um, you know, living up to his draft profile in Anaheim. He obviously was playing in a pretty limited role there on a not very good team. Uh, that Anaheim team was com- utter, complete and utter dog shit while he was there. And again, he probably got a few looks, you know, in an offensive role there. But I think this year he's pretty much playing with like Silverberg, who's basically washed at this point, and the young kid Lundestrom, who I still think is good, but it's just a weird line, a weird combination. And um, you know, I think there's a little bit of a clash of identities there for Sam Steele. And now he's got a fresh start in Minnesota. No real pressure on him. Um, they're not, you know, paying him big dough, but he's looked good. So those are three guys that clearly have plans on being in a very significant offensive role on this team. And it's going to be a big decision for Dean Everson to make. And, you know, with these injuries that they're going to start with the first couple games here, you know, that gives you time to try some new things. And I just hope we see a little bit more variety. I want to see them try different things this season. Cause you know, I think towards the end of the year, uh, when we weren't sure who was coming back, it still kind of felt like, well, these lines are kind of just like already already etched in, etched in stone. Like you're obviously not breaking up that top line of Kaprizov, Hartman, and Zuccarello, and you shouldn't because they are ridiculous. Um, and then after that, it kind of felt like, well, if Fiala stays, that line probably stays intact. You're not changing the Felino greenway Erickson Eck line whatsoever. And the fourth line, you know, you're just going to get the rotating cast there. So it kind of felt like it was going to be the same team, but, and there weren't really a ton of options, right? Like we can talk about the prospects all we want, but there weren't a lot of guys who were ready to make the jump first of all, but not only that, just make the jump and, and, and jump over some other guys that are, that are regulars in the lineup. But now it feels like we have a lot of options and a lot of variety here. And I'm really curious to see if they're willing to try new things willing to try different combinations because I think they should. I think it'll help. Um, And I think you just need to know what you have. So um, I think for me, the preseason so far has been really exciting just because I think guys have stepped up. And, you know, there are a couple other guys I'm sitting here watching like, man, this kid can make the fucking team too. You know, you look at Nick Patan, I think he's been good. You know, Andre Schuster, I think he's been fine. Like, and again, Keelan Addison also looks pretty good. So it's a good problem to have, and I'm very curious to see how they go about it. But there are a lot of guys here who you look at and you say, man, there's just like a lot of guys vying for only a few spots here. Um, and there will be injuries, obviously. That'll happen. Um, and guys will come up. Another guy, Mason Shaw, I thought he was really good tonight. Two assists. I mean, for a kid that's tore his ACL like 57 times, that kid moves pretty well, and he's got some skill. He's obviously an undersized guy. He's really good defensively, but he's a fucking pit bull. Um, and I love the kid. And I think he's looked good. So, again, I think it's probably another year where you 
depending on your cap situation and the roster size and whatever the fucking CBA rules are that they make impossible to figure out without like actually going in and reading it like word for word. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of guys coming up and down and it's going to make not only for an interesting lineup decision, but decisions to be made at the deadline, you know, where is this team, you know, as you head into trade season where you're trying to figure out first of all, what you got and like what you need and who's expendable, who's not, you know, is there going to be a guy who you look at like, Hey, this could be a potential trade chip, but then who starts on the roster contributes and you say, well, we can't really just get rid of this guy especially if we're just looking for cap space or if you're looking for an extra D man because you've had injuries. Like there's just a bunch of guys right now who it, it feels like if they make the team, they absolutely deserve it, but there's just not a whole lot of spots and you don't really want to be paying guys to sit in the press box. You don't really want your young guys sitting in the press box instead of playing. So, um, you know, again, I'll just say it again. Like, there's going to be a lot of decisions for Dean Evison to make here. And it's a really, really good problem to have. And it's actually been really exciting to watch just from the outside, looking in, trying to figure out, man, what is this opening day lineup going to look like? And when they're, when everyone comes back and they're healthy, who's going to say that, you know, they've claimed this spot because they played too well to take out a lineup. So, um, all that to say it's been a very fun first three games. Um, I think I can't remember how many preseason games they actually play, but um, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing how it plays out. Cause there are a lot of guys that again, clearly plan on staying in Minnesota, not really making that trip back down to Iowa. And not only that, while they're in Minnesota making, um, you know, they're stamped to line up and actually playing significant roles. So it's been a good start for a lot of guys, but you know, we again, you probably should take it with a grain of salt considering his preseason. Colorado didn't really play a ton of their big guys. Um, and Dallas is Dallas. I kind of think I still think they're dog shit, but um, but nonetheless, it's just it's just really good to see. And especially if you've been following prospects for a while, it's fun when you know you've kind of watched them develop, come up, and then finally look like they might be getting their shot. So we'll see what happens. But um, first three games, very fun. All right. Uh, Last thing I want to touch on before we just get into the questions. Um, I think Jesper Wallstedt, my number one prospect in the Minnesota Wild Prospect Pool, is going to be fine. Um, you know, obviously that first game versus Colorado, he comes in and lets in two quick ones to, to have that tie game, but then he shuts the door, right? Like he just looked good the rest of the game, made some big-time saves and big moments. And Minnesota wins in overtime off that sick Rossi assist. Oh my God, that was nasty. Um, but once again, he just doesn't get shaken. He looks comfortable, you know, for a lot of, for a lot of young kids getting their first look in that Minnesota wild Jersey, I'll be in the preseason two quick goals to, you know, give away a two nothing lead. That'll shake you. I mean, you'll know how goaltenders are like, I mean, I'm a mental fucking midget. I would have probably just skated off the ice. Like, yeah, we'll shut it down. I'll just pack my shit, go to Iowa, and, you know, see you next year. We'll see what happens then. Um, but, no, he just he shuts the door the rest of the way, responds with a couple big saves right after that because the abs are pressing, and does enough to get them that win in overtime. And then he comes in today. They play him the full 60, makes some absurd saves, Um and again, with him, you know, if you like, if you're listening to me, like, and you've listened to me before, 
you're going to hear me say the same thing about Yes Wall said. It's not necessarily the highlight reel saves that stick out, right? Like he's not sprawling in the crease. He's not doing the fucking windmill saves. No diving glove saves like Mark Andre. Um, he's just such a smart hockey player. He's so good at reading the play. And he, 90% of the time, he's already in position where that next shot's coming from, which to me is... It, that just makes a goaltender so, so, so incredibly valuable and so effective. Not necessarily just the physical athletic tools. Again, because, you know, for a goalie, he's not the biggest guy in the world. I mean, he's 6'2". He's a, like, I mean, compared to me, like, he's fucking huge. But um, you're looking at goalies around the league, like the Kosa kid that went before him in the draft to uh, Detroit. He's, what, 6'6"? Six, six. Um, you know, Wallstead's a 6'2". I think he's, like, 200, 200 pounds or so. Um so he's not some physically imposing goaltender that takes up the whole net. He's not some athletic freak. Yes, he is athletic. I'm not saying he's like a scrub or like a fucking bag of milk or anything, obviously. He's a professional athlete. Um, but it's not. that's not what makes him great. It's just how smart he is, how um, how well he reads the play, the anticipation. Um, and I think he moves really well in the crease. And, you know, the combination of that and, you know, there's – good on the glove, good with his blocker. Um, the foot Again, it's the footwork in the crease. It's how, how well he reads the play, how smart he is, um, and how well positioned he is. He rarely gets caught too far inside his own net. He's challenging shooters when he needs to challenge. Um, and, you know, when there's, an ex- when there's an extended offensive zone shift for the other team, you know, usually he's going to swallow that puck uh, to get that face off and get new guys on the ice. He's just that smart, right? So that's what makes him such a good goalie. You know, the, the, again, the comparison for me is like a Tuka Rask where there's the occasional highlight reel say, but that's not what makes them great. Um, they put up really, really fucking good numbers and they last a really long time in the NHL because they are so smart. They don't rely on physical athletic tools and last ditch, um, you know, effort saves, diving saves. It's just where they are, how they read the play and, and they know when to kill it. So, the kid looks more than comfortable. He looked fantastic today. I think he made 33 saves on 35 shots. One of them was like an odd man rush. The other, they're giving up shorthanded three on ones. Um, but he just, he just looks so good for coming over to North America for the first time to play extended games. First NHL action in the preseason. Um, the kid just looks outstanding. And I really, you know, I've said this before, I don't think it's going to take that long for him to be ready to go play in the NHL. He's going to need the season in Iowa. It's going to be good for him. There's no need to bring him up here right now. You know, it could be a perfect situation where, you know, that two-year Marc-Andre Fleury, um, you know, contract buys him that time to develop for a year or two in the AHL. We'll see what happens next year. Maybe he backs up. For me, I don't really know if you really want him backing up right? Like you don't develop a goalie with the final step being you're going to go back up for 15 games in the NHL. To me, it would be more of like a 1A, 1B situation. Maybe, I don't know. That could be wrong, but um, maybe not like 1A, 1B. But, you know, you don't really want to just develop and to be a backup goaltender and give him the occasional game. He's been, this is a kid that can grind and can give you a ton of games. So, um you know, the way I see it playing out is this this flurry contract really serves as kind of a bridge until Wallstat's ready. Um to at least split the net with, you know, if Flurry wants to stick it out for another year if he's producing well or he's playing well, 
who knows what happens with Gustafson? You know, the kids had the pedigree in the past. Bill Guerin knows him. Like we said, he's a second round pick at Pittsburgh and back you know, a few years ago. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But again, it's not the athletic stuff that makes Wallstead great. It's how smart he is, how well he reads the play, the positioning. Um, and just generally, he's going to swallow that puck and just make it kind of look easy. And this is a kid that that, that game really does translate um, over to the North American side where it's not in that European rink. There's obviously with, with those smaller rink sizes, you know, with the dimensions changing, I'll, I'll be very curious to see how he fares in the AHL. Um, if there is a little bit of an adjustment period for him, obviously pucks are going to come at him faster. Um, you know, right. Like just naturally in a small area, but, um, again, that's why, <laughs> that's why it's going to come in handy that he's going to be such a smart player and, 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 um, uh, you know, just getting to where he needs to be in the crease. Um, but I just think he's been terrific. I, it, it, he impresses me every time I watch him. Um, and I really, really do think it's not going to be a whole long time before you see him as a regular in the NHL. This is the number one best goaltending prospect on the planet that hasn't made it into the NHL yet. You can talk about fucking Askarov all you want in Nashville, but I'm sorry. Like, I just, I just don't see how you say it's not Wallstead. So all that to say, very, very pleased with him so far. We'll see um, how the rest of the preseason plays out, how, more, how many more games he plays and how often he plays in those games. But um, it's just been a really good, really good start for him as well as a lot of those young guys, you know, Rossi, Steele, um, you know, Boldy when he did play and, Addison, all that stuff. So um, really just good to see. And and it's been a fun uh, first three games. And I'm excited to see how the rest of the games play out here. Okay. So that's that. I feel like 26 minutes or so is fair on those first three games. Let's just go into questions. And I don't have a fucking ad read. That's great. Um, Okay. First question from Tyler. Just wanted to express interest in the videos scouting slash breakdowns you mentioned you were considering last episode curious on when you may drop one of those if at all yes um so that is actually in the works right now so i have a couple things i want to do i obviously want to cut up more videos and kind of create longer ones they'll probably be on youtube um you know because i can't really tweet like a several minute long video uh, that'll be an ongoing thing throughout the year without much planning aside from me just kind of being like jesus christ i want a clip for this kid let's put him together and post a video of it um so that's one area that i'll be i'll be trying to stay on top of throughout the year but another thing that we're going to try to do weekly and we actually did a little bit of a dry run yesterday hoppy and i um we're going to try to do a little you know three to five to seven to ten minute breakdowns on different draft prospects um where you know hoppy's gonna help me out with being the moderator um and kind of throwing questions out and there'll be a little bit of a graphic and video playing in the background as well and i'm just gonna kind of ramble on about prospects um like we did a dry run of it yesterday and it was pretty fun um it was about 10 or so minutes and this was a bedard one so it was kind of an easy one pretty much a layup but um hopefully in the next week or two we'll drop the first one um we might try a bedard versus mitchkov one um but we're definitely we're th- that's in the works. Again, we did a dry run yesterday with Bedard, where um, you know there'll be different general 
um, how do I want to say it? Whether it's like player traits or whatever bullet points, and I'm just going to go off and ramble. And again, Hoppy's going to help me moderate that where he'll just be kind of lobbing softball questions to me. And, you know, I'll put my own little stupid twist on it because I can't help myself. But those are in the works. Hopefully we'll drop like one or two a week once we get started. We're just trying to figure out, um, you know, we're just trying to fine tune it a little bit. So definitely going to happen. The definitive timeline I don't have yet. Hopefully a week or two we'll drop something. Um, and obviously we'll put some of that on Twitter and then a lot of that will be on the soda pod YouTube channel. And if you're a psychotic person and like watching this podcast, by the way, most of the, there's a bunch of clips <laughs> apparently uh, on the YouTube channel as well, but those are coming. Um, some of them will be on Twitter and some of them will be, or well, all of them will definitely be in the YouTube channel as well, but those will be coming. Um, and I'm actually really excited to do those because I've kind of just taken more of an interest in the, in the uh the draft especially this season all right next question actually hideki it's okay so hideki asked tell us a good story about something that happened in your world while you were taking time off of podcasting I'm going to have to think of something as I answer the rest of these questions and I'll try to finish off with that one. Uh, okay. Curtis Connor. Why is it that Walsett has only played 30 minutes of preseason hockey? It is already the greatest goalie to ever play in the NHL parentheses. I'm being hyperbolic dot, dot, dot. I think, yeah, you know what? Many people are saying it. Um, yeah, I mean, I pretty much just broke down my feelings on Walsett and it's the same thing that I've been doing for like a year, but I really don't think it's going to be a whole lot. Like, I don't think there's going to be some big adjustment. I don't think there's going to be a, a long period of time where he's adjusting to the North American game before he's ready to be an NHL, NHL goaltender. Um, and obviously that question is asked in jest, but like, and I think I've probably said the same sentence a million times just in the last 15 minutes, but it's just how smart the kid is and how well he reads offense. Like, it's like he's made in a fucking lab. Um, he's just so, it's just such an elite fucking goalie. It's unbelievable. And, you know, it's, it's funny. You're starting to see more and more younger goalies, like starting to be ready, like earlier. You look at, you know, you look at Sorokin, you look at uh, Igor in New York, uh, Swayman in Boston. Um, Carter Hart didn't go that well. But who knows? Who knows? <laughs> that one's not great. Um, but you're starting to see a lot more young Spencer Knight, like right, like you're starting to see a lot of younger players. I, and I, I forget. I really wish I could remember where I was hearing this, but um, I was listening to a podcast that are talking about it. But I think it may have actually been one of the Bruins ones with Andrew Raycroft, and he's saying a lot of these goaltenders are just getting coached so differently now, where they're coaching the mental side of the game, where you know, they're pretty much teaching these kids how to not be as psychotic and kind of volatile as young goaltenders. So it's really interesting to see. And it seems like it's actually really, you know, carried over uh, worldwide. Because, again, we're starting to see these younger and younger kids, like, seemingly become NHL ready fairly quickly, at least quicker than, you know, how we usually think of goaltenders. 
Um, but yeah, Wallstead, unbelievable. Excited to see him in Iowa. And I don't think we're, I don't think we're years and years away from him stepping into the NHL. All right, let's see. Max second. If the Wild are in contention at the deadline and Dumba's playing well, does Billy trade him? Parentheses and what would the return look like? Or let him walk after the season? I really am. I kind of think you're stuck here with, um, you know, with Dumba's situation because. I think he, Matt Dumba, the way he plays, even though he's a very good defenseman on both sides of the puck. Um, first of all, he's hurt a lot, so that sucks. So that automatically kind of puts him in a negative light for some people. But just the way he plays and, and how electrifying and, and how flashy it is, and for whatever reason, he makes one mistake and people just jump down his throat. Um, I love Matt Dumba. I think everyone should. Like, I think he's an absolute fucking beauty, first of all. He's obviously a huge voice in that locker room. And not only that, he's a really good fucking hockey player. Um, that being said, you're kind of stuck in this situation where I really don't know how you re-sign him. You look at what you have in the pipeline right now. You look at the guys that are locked up long-term on the team, on the back end. And you're kind of sitting there saying, all right, well, if we're going to bring back Matt Dumbo, which we'd all love to, what's that number? You know, Russo has floated out the idea of would he take a pay cut? Because, I mean, you can't pay him six, obviously. You can't pay him more. Than, if, so if he wants a raise, he's got to go somewhere else. I don't really think he's going to get a raise anywhere. Even though if he stayed healthy, I feel like he would be worth that and more. Um, but even if you give him a longer-term deal or like a couple of years at four or five or five million, like, okay, well, what about when all these kids are ready to rock? What if they give you something that, you know, you don't really have? You look like a Brock Faber. I don't think you think that kid can't play in the NHL next season. You think Ryan O'Rourke isn't ready to take a step after this year in the AHL? Potentially. Um, you know, Damon Hunt, I think is probably farther off, but you have a bunch of kids and a bunch of other options that you don't really want to tie yourself up here in, in, in a long-term deal with. You know, a guy who's going to be 20 whatever years old. So um, they're very, it's a very interesting spot. I don't really know if he's playing well. I don't know how you trade him at the deadline, even if that would give you six million in space and um, give you all the options. Cause I don't think right now you have that someone that could step in. Like, I don't think Kalen Addison could step in and be Matt Dumba as awesome as I think Addison is and as ready as I think he is to play in the NHL. I just don't think he's ready to do, um, you know, I don't think he's ready to play that role. Um, so what would the return be? It wouldn't be much. What team's going to want to take on a $6 million cap hit? Um, and then knowing that if you're going to give something up for Dumba, like you have to resign him. But what if he only is going to resign if he's going to get a raise on $6 million if it's not in Minnesota, right? So I don't really see a situation where there's going to be – If let's put it this way. If teams haven't really shown an interest in Matt Dumba – you know, with two years or one year left on that deal at $6 million, I don't really know what teams are going to be interested in taking him on and giving up any kind of assets whatsoever um, for a guy that, first of all, has shown an inability to really stay healthy. And again, I'm not even shitting on Dumba because I think he's fantastic and I love the guy, but um, I don't really know what you could possibly get for a $6 million cap hit where you don't really know if you're going to bring him back. Um, so to me, if you're trading him, it feels more like 
almost like a cap dump. And I think the rest of the league knows that. And I don't think he is a cap dump type of player. Like you look at the other guys who have been kind of thrown around, like I know Stone categorize them. I mean, that being said too, like the Brent Burns return, <laughs> nothing different situation. Obviously there's been a lot of cap dumps where it's just like guys are getting shit. So, um, I don't, and again, I think if he's playing well, I don't think you can possibly trade him, right? If he's healthy all year long and he's, you know, being the Matt Dumba that we all know and love, like uh, he can't be the one to go. Like you don't want to be giving up defensemen going into the playoffs. You know, it's just speaking from my PTSD ass and here in Boston, like you can run through defensive playoffs. They all get injured. So, um, yeah, I don't really know what the, the return wouldn't be significant. Like you're not getting anything of long-term value if you're going to trade him with a deadline, um, unless he's going to re-sign with that team, right? Like, and even then, like, it would be a weird trade if, uh, you know, if he's playing well and you're in the, as a team, the team's playing well and they have cup aspirations. I don't know how you, you can't really get rid of one of your top four defensemen. So I don't really see the trade happening. Uh, but if it did, I don't think the return would be all that significant unless the team really, really, really loves him and wants to sign him long-term is willing to sign him long-term big dough then even, I mean, then even then and i don't really see anyone give up a first round pick not in 2023 that's for sure um so the term would be minimal and i don't really see it happening i do think that time's kind of just come and gone like i, I just don't think you can it's interesting though because again it would open up some serious cap space not just you know well i guess it's up at the end of the year but um Obviously, we give you the cap space and flexibility to go take a swing on someone. But, um, yeah, I mean, I just don't really see it happening. I don't really like think the time to trade Matt Dumbo is coming on. So uh, we'll see, though. Who knows? Okay, next. Oh, also, Max asked, random question. Do you know where to buy World, Ju World Junior jerseys from? Looking for Jesper Wallstedt. Uh, my go-to is just Google. I don't really know, though. I... Uh, it's not really in the budget right now, so I haven't been looking at the jerseys. But I think there's a bunch of places though that you can like find uh, for cheap. I don't know how legit they are, but uh, Matthew is what we got from Damon Hunt. Whoop, my screen froze. Up uh, is what we got from Damon Hunt in the preseason game. What we can expect from him? I thought he played really well, but also saw him as the first four checker on one play and notice he's a bit aggressive on pinches sometimes thank you thank you um yeah well yes and no because so if, again if you guys have listened to this podcast in the past like i love damon hunt i think he's a very fun player i think he's a very good player and i think there's a ton of upside with him just with his freak athletic ability how strong he is the offensive ability he's he skates really well there's legit offense he's big he's tough like he he does profile is a is a player with with huge upside but there are a lot of a lot a lot of bad habits in his game and that's why about halfway through the year last year i was like get this fucking kid out of junior hockey like i've said it before he, he really with moose jaw and the fact that he also was playing with Denton matejuk was great because they were the most one of the most dynamic pairs in the whl that i've seen in a long time they're just so fun but i mean they're all over the ice like all three zones, they're on the puck. And it, it would get to the point where David Hunt was pretty much like playing as a rover. And that stuff just doesn't work really in the NHL unless you're doing it at a super high elite level in which he's as awesome as David Hunt is. He's not like a Kale car or anything like that. Like 
you know, I do think he's got really good offense. Like I said, he can skate. He's, um, and he defends well, but he's just too much of a wild card and he has to learn how to rein that in without completely losing that offense too. Right. Like you don't want to put a complete muzzle on the kid, but he's really got to be willing to accept and learn that, Hey, there's a, there's a time and a place to go pinch. Like you said, um, and then there's times where, hey, you're just going to sit back here for a second and just be an option at the blue line or um, like someone else can go lead the fort. Someone else can go be F1 on the fort check. But yeah, so that's been why I love him and also why I have concerns with him in a long term NHL future, um, especially like a top four D role. Like he's just a bit too much of a rover sometimes and a little bit too much of a wild card where, you know, if he's going to be on a bottom pair and you need him to be a shutdown guy and like pretty much like all defense, I don't know if he's going to give that to you. Like right now, if he's not really, you know, kind of willing to play that way, he definitely has to learn how to just change the way he plays a little bit, at least tweak it. Maybe not, maybe change is the wrong word. Cause you don't want to lose the aggression. It's kind of what makes him so great is that he's kind of like fucking tapped when he's on the ice. He's kind of the psychopath, which I love. Um, but he really, <laughs> he has to reel it in, or he's really, he, he, he could be a kid with all the potential in the world, but if he can't kind of just like adjust to the NHL style and slow down a little bit and reel it in, um, some of that aggression specifically with him, like like you said, F1 on the four check, <laughs> like pinching like a lunatic, um, you know, he runs the risk of really never sticking in the NHL long-term just because he's so, it's like, like he's, it's kind of like he's just playing shinny, right? Like, um, it's kind of like pond hockey, except half the time his gloves are off. But I do love Damon Hunt, and I think there's a ton of potential there. Um, and, I mean, the kid can pound a fucking hockey puck. He's He played, like, 40-something games in the in WHL last season. had 17 goals from the blue line. Like, and almost all of them are just absolute rocket ships. So, um there's a ton of intrigue there. There's a ton of potential, but he does have to change the way he plays a little bit, reel it in a little bit here, um, or he definitely just runs the risk of, of not really being an impactful NHL player um, because you can't really stick him on a third pair right now and say, hey, you're going to be in the defensive zone all the time. Or at least you can't do that in the NHL. You can't stick in the NHL right now and do it. But then again, you know, the seven games he played in the W or the AHL, the COVID season, I've actually thought he did reel it in a little bit and looked really good. So clearly there's an ability to do that in the WHL. He didn't really have to could kind of run around and dominate, but he is going to have to learn to reel it in and, and play a little bit of a different way in Iowa. Probably be a year or two, probably two, um, you know, before he starts getting looks in the NHL. But, um, but yeah, ton of potential definitely needs to adjust, tweak the way he plays when to go, when to stay. Um, like, you know, let him know, hey, man, Kirill Kaprizov's on the ice. You don't have to go go fucking get the puck and, like, walk a bunch of dudes. Like, it's okay. Like, you can just hang out in the neutral zone for a little bit here. Uh, you know, let Kirill go handle that. But um, I do love David Honey. He's a great player. My name, Jesse1334. How does Rossi fit an entire kennel club's worth of dog in him? Yeah, I don't know, dude. He's a fucking beast. I said it before, like this, I've really seen a whole lot of dudes who train as hard as he does in the offseason. Like, this is his life. Hockey is his life. All he wants to do is play in the NHL. And not only that, he wants to be a star on a winning team. Um, and that's why I fucking love the kid. And I still cannot believe he fell to nine 
in that draft, and then Wild were able to pick him up because I just I think he's so good. Kalisha, who will be traded first? Dumba, Green White, or Jost? I don't really know. Like, I get like the only logical one would be Jost, but to me, again, from I mean, it's been preseason, so you can't really say much here. But I mean, Jost is really the only logical one. Greenway obviously just is starting his new deal. Um, and he's part of that identity line with the Erickson egg and Felino. Uh, Matt Dumba, I don't really see the the worth there because you're not getting anything in return. You're taking a massive hit in your locker room. Um, and I'm not sure you really have anyone ready to step into into that second pairing. So um, really, I guess if one of them does get traded, I think the most logical one would be Tyson Jost, but I hope not because I think there's enough intrigue there that, um, you know, not only from what I've seen in the past and flashes with Colorado, but, um, you know, so far in the preseason and, and just knowing the type of player is, there's enough intrigue there for me to want to keep him around and, you know, we'll see what happens. Like, you're not going to be heartbroken if he walks, um, you know, at free agency. I can't, I think he's a UFA. He might even be a fucking RFA. I can't remember. Um, but I think the logical one there is Joe. Let me, if he is an RFA, then there you go. Like, that even gives you a flexibility, I guess, to kind of make a move after you could pick something up, some kind of measly return in the offseason if you were to move him. Yeah, he's an RFA. Okay, so he's an RFA. So there you go. You could even potentially trade him after the season ends. Uh, I think he has Arbrights, though. Gay yeah, is, so that makes it harder. But, um, yeah, I mean, I just don't see those first two guys because, again, the, there's no point in trading Matt Dumbett right now considering you're going to get nothing in return, really. Take that massive effect in the locker room. And, um, I don't really see anyone ready to step into that top four role, whether it's a prospect pool or someone they have now. Uh, Jordan Greenway, they started, you know, it's a new three-year deal that just started. Um, they obviously really like him a lot. Part of that big line, don't see him moving. So the only one really that would be, um, you know, logical or the most logical one of those three would be Tyson Jones for me. But, um, you know, I, really, I don't really want them to right now anyways. <clears throat> Joe, who's your biggest surprise to make the roster? Uh, well, I guess, so they haven't announced the rosters yet, but I'd say if you're asking who would be a guy I could see making it now, that would actually, I wouldn't have thought so. I'd pick a guy like probably Nick Patan or Andre Schuster. I think, well, I mean, I think to start, there's a pretty good chance Andre Schuster makes the team just because he can kill penalties. He's fucking huge. He's got 300 and some odd games of NHL experience. That can kind of buy you time. Um, whether that's him as the sixth D-man or whether that's him as, you know, the seventh D, um, better option than Jordy Ben, to be honest with you. So, um, you know, I do think he's going to make the team. And I really didn't think so at first. I thought they kind of just had him for that Iowa job. But um, Nick Pitan would be the other one, though, for me. I think he's been really good. He's a fun player to watch. He's got a really slick set of mitts. Um, he's a really fun player to watch in the offensive zone. He hasn't really had that extended look with one team yet in his NHL career. Um, he's kind of been bounced around, but um, he does. He's a guy that does show flashes. So, um, you know, I never would have thought that he would have made the team before the season. But the more I see from him, I kind of wonder if there's going to be a spot here, whether it is that 13th forward spot. Um, you know, I'm sure he will be bouncing back and forth, but I wouldn't be completely shocked if he did make the team. And I definitely would not have said that. Uh, before the year started. Um, 
considering the the commentary before the game the one i guess that would be the most shocking would be like a brandon baddock there's no way he fucking makes a team but i also didn't think that there was a shot he'd ever really play nhl games with minnesota but it sounds like they're they like him so maybe who knows lizard to kaprizov to lizard to kaprizov asks oh boy uh should we be worried about your playing time i was waiting for that one um okay so in case you're not in the know uh Yurov's ice time is starting to go down um last couple of games he's pretty much been pigeonholed on the fourth line uh last two games played like seven and a half minutes before that was like nine um so the ice time is definitely trending down a little bit again he's a young player playing in the khl this is what happens right like whether we like it or not they don't like playing young guys if they don't have to um and you know what the one thing i would say it's not like he was lighting it up right like i think he's a really fun player to watch um and i absolutely see him playing you know developing into a top six winger in the national hockey league with minnesota and i don't think it's gonna take a whole lot of time for him to get there but um you know, you look at the point totals. Like it wasn't like he was. It's the history of the league. The one thing I do love about him, um, and I think one thing that's actually and it's important to distinguish. Like the kid can definitely make plays and, and create offense, but I don't think he necessarily is a guy who's creating offense for line mates. I think he creates a lot for himself, right? So you kind of have to be careful when you describe him as like a guy that drives players, a playmaker. Um, I do think he can make plays. I think he's mostly creating offense for himself, though. And, like, I mean, that's not a problem. That's not a knock on a kid because, like, I mean, I don't give a fuck. Like, <laughs> if you're creating offense and it's working, then it's working. Um, but the only reason I say it is you, you look at his ice time, like, seven and a half minutes, and he'll still have five shot attempts. So um, I'm not really too worried about it. I hope they don't do the the who's Nadinov treatment. Would it surprise me, though? No, but... Um, you know, I, again, I don't really get to the point where I get really worried about this stuff. He's a super young kid playing the KHL. Like, it's not very often that they all stick. And on a very good team, by the way, a team that just went to the final or the semifinals last year. So, um, not worried yet. If it continues for a while, then I'll be like, all right, just fucking go let the kid play in the MHL. Like, this is the bullshit that happened last year. Um, but he is at least playing. <laughs> um, but obviously, again, he's gone down to, uh, to that fourth line role um, is what it is. Young kid playing a rush, it happens. But no, I'm not concerned yet, but I do have my eye on it. And it's been like annoying me when I see that he's on the fourth line because I know what that means. He's getting like fucking seven minutes a game. Um, but again, he's creating offense by fucking still taking the puck, getting into the offensive zone and shooting. Like That's why I love the kid. It's just like a, it's crazy how many shot attempts he gets. I wish who's the Dinov would do that. Cause his, ice, he actually just didn't play the other day, but um, I'd like to see him get involved offensively more and, and get more shots on it, at least for himself. But I can't really complain about who's the Dinov. So. And then last question, Nick Schuster, is it just me or does it seem like there's a good chance that the wild go with steel and Patan three C and four C we see Rossi start in Iowa. I'm getting a weird feeling. That's what will happen. Hope not, but not sure if you want Rossi at four C all season. Yeah, no, you definitely don't want him playing fourth line center. I don't think he will. Um, and I really, I mean, I'm not worried about, you know, the wild, like, I don't think it's a situation where they're going to say, nah, let's just put Sam Steele or Nick Patan where we could put Marco Rossi. 
because Marco Rossi only has two NHL games. We want him to earn his way there. I don't see that being the case. So far, I see this kid forcing his way into whatever you want to number the lines in the middle six there. Um, I see him playing with Matt Boldy to start, and we'll see what happens on that wing, whether it's Tyson Jost, whether it's Freddie Gaudreau. Um, but I don't see them putting him at 4C. I don't see him sending don't see them sending him to Iowa. Um, you know, for a kid like Marco Rossi, I don't really think that would send a great message to him. Like, you know, we all had this idea about Adam Beckman, but like Adam Beckman didn't really have the same exact track record as, as Rossi. Um, and not only that, Rossi played in the HL last season and fucking dominated on a lot of nights. So the kid's done everything right, and he's shown chemistry with Matt Boldy. And um, not only that, he's, he shows effectiveness in all three zones, right? It's not just offense. It's not just getting, like, empty calorie points or empty points or whatever. Um, to me, the kid's just ready to take a jump. I don't see that happening. I wonder what happens. But, again, I just said, like, I could see Patan, like, legit making the team, perhaps. Um, and I do think that Sam Steele is going to play a, a significant role in the team. Because, and I think he deserves it because he's been fucking good. I really want people to stop freaking out about Sam Steele. It's so weird to me. It's so fucking weird when people are – I'm not saying that you're shitting on him, by the way, Nick. Um, feeling like shitting on Sam Steele before the season even starts. It's so weird to me. But whatever. Um, I think he's a good player. Sorry. Um yeah, but I don't see them just doing that to do it. Like if Steele and Patan actually started – over Rossi on the lineup at, at three and four or C or whatever, or if they play them over, over Rossi, like I would say that the only way that that happens, if they legitimately earn it over him. And at this point, I haven't seen that while they've both been really good. I just haven't seen them, um, you know, being better than Marco Rossi. And I certainly haven't seen anything that says Marco Rossi needs to go back down and play in the AHL. Who knows? Maybe they will. I don't see it happening again because I just think this is a kid that is ready to take the step. Um, I think he's proved it last year on a lot of nights, and I think he's proven it so far in preseason. And I think he obviously proved it in the offseason as well. Not only that, the kid's just got such a good head and shoulders too. Like I love listening to him talk. Um, but I, I don't get that feeling. Uh, I could see why some people might, but um, just knowing how they feel first of all, first of all about Marco Rossi, um, and just with how good he's been and the type of pro he is, I just I just don't see that happening. But um, but who knows? We'll see. GMs and coaches are weird in this league, but I, I do believe that Marco Rossi makes his team out of camp, and I believe that he starts with Matt Poldy, and I think it's going to be very, very, very fun to watch. Um and that's going to do it. 55 minutes on the nose. That's pretty good for me. And I'll tell you what, I was exhausted. I've been like trying to fight to stay awake this whole time. I feel like that wasn't the worst episode of all time. You know? Um, right now, the time's Um, But yeah, I mean, that's going to do it for me. We talked a little bit about the preseason so far. They had a couple more games before we talk again next week. Um. I'll be working on a lot of more, a lot more draft stuff, specifically video stuff the next week or two. And hopefully, like I said, I can um, start kind of going on that and like get something out there potentially. Who knows? But um, yeah, 
it's almost here. I can't believe the season's already almost back. It feels like it just ended. But um, anyways, yeah, that's going to do it for me. Shutting her down, 1240. Fuck me, Jesus Christ. Um, thank you, as always, for tuning in. Truly appreciate it. Truly appreciate the uh, the kind messages people send all the time. Uh, I love you. And uh, keep sending those questions in. Who knows? Maybe we'll get enough that we can do a full mailbag episode one of these days. And uh, other than that, you know where to find me. And we'll see you next week.